the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. This is why Proverbs 3 and 9, listen, you, don't, you think you're making this up, Pastor, about dishonoring the document. No, watch. 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first produce of your entire harvest. I think that's Holman Christian Standard Version, I think is where I pulled that from. Okay. Honor God, why? By giving. When you don't, you dishonor Him. In what way? <laughs> it's His. It's sort of like if I borrow something from you and I never give it back. How many, you ever done that? Somebody borrowed the ladder, the screwdriver, that baking dish, and you haven't seen it since. Why does that bother you? Because you use that baking dish every week? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They dishonor you a bit. They now, at their house, you go to their house, and there's that baking dish, and they're cooking in it, and that is like theirs. And you just want to go, hey, that's my dish. And I say that because my daughter once brought a bunch of coffee. I was out of coffee, and she brought coffee over in this glass thing with the Tupperware rubber lid, and I still keep my coffee in it. <laughs> so I'm guilty of it, all right? I'm not, I'm not telling her that I'm perfect in that regard, okay? But it is my daughter. I think the give and take goes back and forth there. But you think about that when that happens. Or when somebody, this happened to me once, I, I loaned out a particular tool. Uh, it was reciprocating saw. And if you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter. And a guy had it forever and then returned it back to me broken. Let me put it in another word. Lame, blind, sick. But, but that, wait a minute. That would, that, you know how I felt when that guy returned my saw back to me broken? Okay, if it's, if it's your saw and you don't want to fix it, that's your choice. But it's my saw. These are my animals. I own it all. And you want to give me sick and lame ones. Okay. <clears throat> I find it also interesting that Jesus, you know, in the New Testament says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So I find it intriguing when God wants to talk to them about how they've dishonored him, he goes to where their treasure is. He says, God really need their money. No, he says, here, let me point out something for you that's going to measure your heart for you could see it. He could explain all the things that he sees in their heart, and they'd be going, what? Why? Because that's what they've done so far. I don't see it. But he can sure see every person can look in their checkbook and know what they do with it. 
They didn't have checkbooks in those days, you know what I'm saying. The count of sheep in the herd or whatever. <clears throat> you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the entire nation. Now, come on. There had to be some people that were doing it right. Didn't matter. It was an indictment on every, the whole group, even those who did it right. Let me put it another way. When God sent Nebuchadnezzar to take Jerusalem for the weakness, w- wickedness, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego got called into captive, dragged off into captivity too. And they were righteous fellows. Okay? <clears throat> well, has an impact on us as a whole. Then he says, bring your whole tithe in the storehouse so that there will be food in my house. Well, wait a minute. Why does God need food? What does he mean by food? Well, there's the practical side of it. <clears throat> As the Levites, remember, who weren't doing it right, they were teaching with partiality, dishonoring God and his word in doing so. The food in particular was to keep those guys fed and their families, to take care of them. Well, wait a minute. We, I, you shouldn't have to do that. You just said they're not getting it right. Remember, he also said this, neither are you. Okay? But I think it's interesting, too, that it is through that Levite that there was spiritual food in the house. He was the one doing the teaching. Then this famous statement, God says, test me, go ahead. But he also says that later. We we saw that. Test me in this, says the Lord. And And I might have a unique twist on this. Okay, Um, says the Lord of armies, if I do not, how is the test? To see if I, if you will, will open you the windows of heaven. It doesn't say for. I tried. I've looked for the word for in there and struggled to find the word for in there. I will open up you the windows of heaven. Did you catch that? Not for you. I will open you up. You'll be a window of heaven. I mean, there might be some other meaning there, but I'm not a Hebrew scholar, and you'll have to forgive me. I'm looking at the Hebrew. I'm reading Hebrew. I even put it in Google Translate to try to figure it out. And I got all these books on this stuff, okay? And they can't tell me, those who put four in there, why they put four in there. What, language-wise, there's a reason for the word four, okay? Well, I will not open up you, the windows, and pour you out. I'm going to pour you out that you're a blessing that can't be contained. Okay, or overflows. It doesn't say pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. It doesn't say that. I will open you up and you'll be a blessing. <clears throat> Why do I say that? That's what God said to Abraham. And all mankind will be blessed through you. Okay, but because of that, I'll bless you. Now rebuke the devourer so that it, the devourer, will not destroy the fruit of the ground, the vine, and so on, says the Lord. Now listen, all the nations will call you blessed. Remember at the beginning, okay, he talks about this. The reason why is, I, you understand, I want God to be glorified and honored outside of Israel. That's in chapter 1. Okay, he's doing this in chapter 2. It's not just about you, Israel. This isn't about just so you would be blessed, but how will the nations be blessed? They'll see me. See God. He's the greatest blessing. He doesn't mean make your crops flourish. 
those nations out there and all that. No, they'll see God, and God will get the glory. And when that happens, they're blessed. In Deuteronomy 14, uh, you can read through 22 through 32, but eventually says this, he calls them to tithe and this kind of thing. He says this, that you may learn to fear the Lord, your God, always. One of the purposes of the tithe for the Jews was that they would learn to fear God. Huh? How, how does that work? Well, hopefully we'll touch on that in a minute. Before I go further, i got to deal with one objection. And you can go out there right now, put just the word tithe in a, in a search engine, you'll see them. People argue that nowhere in the Old Testament did anybody ever tithe money. It was agricultural goods and animals. You're absolutely right. But you've got to realize God had told them to tithe everything. A day of the week, the land, okay? All the male, firstborn male children were supposed to be given over. It was everything. Not, not, not just that. Why? Because everything that represented their lives, the time, the effort, the energy they put into living, they were expected to give a portion of that back to God. Because the fact that they were living was by the grace of God. Anything they had was the grace of God and belonged to God. Okay? So today, you go to work for eight hours. Does that represent your time in your life? You spend a lot of time at work. Work and sleeping, by the way. Two biggest things. Mm, You get this stuff called money. What's it represent? Your life. Your time. We know in the New Testament they gave money because of the story uh, you just heard me tell the children. Jesus himself is watching people put into the offering. And it's not the temple tax because the girl, the lady's three mites wouldn't work for that. You didn't give it that way anyway. Okay, So those who want to argue that, oh, that was just aggregate, so we should be bringing sheep and goats, and you, know, you missed it. So I'm going away with that objection. On the application side, principle one. God doesn't need your money. He owns everything and everyone. You heard me read out of Psalms 24 and 1, which is repeated in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 10 and 26. Ezekiel, behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son. And the soul who sins will die. Wait a minute. I own all the souls, and I have the right to do with them what I want. If you don't like it, you're dishonoring me. Every soul is his. He has right to cast one into eternal darkness and the other into... He has the right to sovereignly, by his grace, choose one for this and another... Just just go read Romans 9. Psalms 50. 10, 11. Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, every bird of the mountains, everything that moves in the field is mine. That means the creepy crawly things. They're all, it's all his. He don't need what you got. I'm going to say to you, the devil doesn't need what you got either. He doesn't need your car, your house, your bank account. He doesn't need any of that. Okay, He just got to keep you from doing what God's called you to do, and that's all he's interested in. But anyway... <clears throat> So, God owns everything. He doesn't need your money. Principle two. 
We are God's stewards managing His resources for His benefit. Goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. He makes a garden and says, uh, hey, you go manage this, will you? Whose garden is it? God's garden. Now, He only commands one tree. That's, that's that part you don't touch. That one's set aside. But they're there to manage it. That's from the get-go. Everything you have is God's, and you're supposed to manage it for His benefit. And those are the parables you see of the managers of different things, whether it's the talents or the minas or the other things, that they were supposed to make profit, benefit, for the master. Okay? Principle three, right out of Matthew 6, kingdom comes first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Right? All these things. What things? Context. What things? I'm gonna, you can peek back today. I know the camera can't see you. What things is he talking about in context? What you eat, drink, wear, live in. Stuff. When it comes to stuff, God comes first. Well, in everything, God comes first. But in the context there is being worried about your stuff. Being anxious about those things. God comes first. This is why in the Old Testament you saw firstborn, firstfruits, that kind of thing, right? They want to make sure that you were doing something physical, tangible, that you can relate to, that you had to make the conscious choice this, God comes first. Now let's get real. You hop out of bed on any given morning. The alarm goes off. You're rubbing your eyes. You're sort of half awake and... You're trying to get to the coffee pot or the toothbrush to get yourself ready to go. You're not thinking God comes first today. It doesn't come natural. I'll tell you what naturally comes to you. I come first. I can't believe it. I went through the line at McDonald's and they didn't have any McMuffins in the morning. Who's first? I wish that guy'd get out of the way. I'm late. Honk. I'm first. God knows we need tangible things. To help us, put him first. Hopefully you get some time. I know not every morning. I'm not trying to be legalistic on you, but hopefully every morning you get some time to put God first. If it means getting up 10 minutes early or singing worship music in the shower while you're getting ready, waking up the rest of the family to be an off-key. Okay. Um, hopefully you have that time. Okay. Principle four. God calls on us to trust him by calling us to give. Many people all think you crazy. If they looked at your checkbook and see you give X amount to a church every year. What kind of idiot? Boy, you're a sucker. Look what they're doing. You know, them preachers, all they ever want is money. And them churches, are, we look at the Catholic church, how rich they are. Because everybody judges who's not Christian, judges Christianity by the Catholic church. Okay, this kind of thing. And, and, and you're crazy. But I also see what happens when things get tight and how they panic and where they run. Payday loan, MasterCard. I'm hoping that you don't run there when things are hard. Hopefully, you've learned that whatever you give is, means you're going to have less to live on, whatever that amount is. You're going to have less, then you've got to trust God for the rest. Number five, God calls us to give in proportion to what we have been given. God's not a flat tax guy. In this sense, a flat amount. God doesn't expect Glenn to give like he would expect Donald Trump to give. I don't know if Donald Trump does, okay, or Bill Gates or whoever. 
He does, it's proportional. How do I know that? Because Jesus sits right there. Now what? He do, it doesn't say this. Well, you know, you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing when you're giving in the offering plate, so you've got to keep it secret. Again, the context of that is offerings. Not support of the church. That's, so Jesus is standing there with his disciple. Imagine that we got this tray over here. I'm not going to do it because of the camera. But if I walked over and I stood there and watched each one of you come up to see what you'd be given, you'd be irate. How dare you? Jesus is watching. He's counting it. Plop, plop, plop. Three. He says she gave more. Why? Because the proportion that was of what she had. And I think that's the, one of the things that we need to draw from the Old Testament idea of tithing, okay, which I suggest to you is founded upon the principle of divine portion. God always has his peace. Don't touch it. Whatever that is, I'm not taking the time to go through all that. Okay? But one thing we do learn, it is proportional. God did not expect Mary and Joseph, when they came to offer a sacrifice, when they brought Jesus to be circumcised at eight days old, what did they bring? A dove. Why didn't they bring a lamb? Because they will po. The Bible, Old Testament prescribed, if you can't afford a lamb, you can bring a dove. And Mary and Joseph brought a dove. God calls us to give in proportion to what he has given us. And I hate to tell you this, if you live in America, in the Western world, you have been given more than most people on the planet. I could take you there and see the statistics and, oh, I don't know, I don't, Pastor, I only make so much. Yeah, which is way more than most people on the planet. Last I looked, it was around $33,000 a year and you're in this top 2% wage earners on the planet. You know what that means? And we should be the top givers on the planet. America is giving, I don't argue that, go have a disaster somewhere and see what America does. Um, but that might be borrowed money, that's another issue. <clears throat> okay. So, so God does call us to give him What is that proportion? That's everybody's question. Is it 10%? Is it five? What is it, Pastor? Well, I can tell you this. In the Old Testament, there's types and shadows. There is the spotless lamb. Not a lame one. Not a sick one. Not a stolen one. It had to be a spotless lamb. That is a type of Christ, what we call the antitype, in the New Testament. Behold the Lamb of God. Which one's greater? Mm-hmm. The salvation at the ark, Noah's ark, typology of our salvation, New Testament salvation, which one's greater, physically saved, spiritually saved? So I'm going to ask you a question. If 10% is the Old Testament type, what's the New Testament anti-type? I'll keep going. When we give, we honor God as sovereign ruler and owner of all things. We recognize him, and when we don't give, we dishonor him. These guys were dishonoring God by not. And then he, wait a minute, how to return? I got to get your heart back. So here's what I'm going to do a give. What? Well, God must just be after money. You know how God is. No, I've already mentioned God doesn't need your money. When we give, we also honor God for his goodness. His flat-out provision of those beautiful grandkids I look at. To that leftover turkey still sitting in the refrigerator. It reminds me, God, you're good. If I could give him the offering, I'd have brought him part of the turkey. Analogy. We, We recognize God's common grace. 
His goodness or his loving kindness is the word used in the Old Testament hundreds of times. I've actually did a study on that one. Okay? His acts towards we see the goodness of God. When we give, it reminds us that God is the only reason I have this three pennies or 300 or 3,000 or whatever your portion is. The only reason I got it is because God is good. I, I don't deserve one bit of it. I don't deserve the good job. Well, I work for it. No, you don't, because all he has to do is take your breath away, and you ain't working. Or I can tell you, all he has to do is break your back, and you ain't working for a while. Okay? Watching football this last week, and these big old huge, yeah, look how powerful I am. Then there's this little bitty ankle down here, little twist, and he's done. God sustains you physically. Okay? I know you work for it, but he's the one that's given you the ability to do that. Read Deuteronomy. So he's sovereign ruler and owner. It reminds us of that. We honor God as that. We honor God for his goodness. But then also this. It teaches us to fear God. In what sense? If I don't trust him for my finances. He's the one that gives it, takes care of it. He's the one that gives me all the things that I have to be blessed for. And what if he just decided not to pour his wrath out on me, just to remove his goodness? Where, where would my... Oh, God, don't, don't remove your goodness. Don't remove your goodness from our country. I don't care how wicked it is. God, I beg you, be more patient. Hold your hand of wrath back even more so for our country, the worse it gets. I recognize there's judgment happening that, but that big, t- hold it back, God. Just continue to show us goodness because your goodness and kindness leads to repentance. When the world, because about this is giving glory to God outside just the church, outside of Israel. When the world sees us give, or let me say it this way, when I announce over the internet and on the radio, that during COVID, we had one of our best financial years. They're going to go, what is with those people? How is that possible? Business is closed. Church is closed. Mm, It's the goodness of God. God gets the glory when we give. When we don't give, we rob God of the glory. What do you mean? Well, you see, you make, I make X, you make X, same amount. But I give a portion unto God, and you don't give any. And God still, I still have, I'm still doing just fine. That's God. Because the numbers don't add up, folks. We both have 100 bucks, right? And somebody gives away 20 bucks to the offering to God. And you make it, and you live just fine, and they're, they're borrowing money, worrying about who gets the glory. You, because you're such a wonderful giver. It's God who does that. We rob him of the chance to get glory when we don't give. Okay? And I want to end this. I am not standing on a 10% number. I would suggest to you it's a great place to start. Why? Because you're going to get up in the morning and it's going to be about you. So, So if you just... Take that as an obligation unto yourself and says, I'm going to start here, God. In case you didn't know, we all need discipline. So every once in a while, my wife, my wife and daughters, they make these kind of things all the time, cakes and cookies and pies. About halfway through the cake, I find it in my office. Well, 
but Kim wants me to eat it and wants realizing the self-discipline in the house, even among the kids, they're eating the sugar before they do anything else. So if you can remove it, they know there needs to be something natural, physical, to help them discipline themselves not to eat the whole cake. Right? And then she expects me to eat it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> all right, I guess it's all right if I die of diabetes or something. <clears throat> all right. But, but the point is we need the physical points to help us stay disciplined. How many of you have an alarm in the morning? Why? Because you need it. You, ain't gonna, you aren't going to get your tushy out of bed. I would suggest you start somewhere as a place of discipline. And let you and Guy can talk at it from there. I think 10% is a good place to start. Is it mandated or obligated? Well, that's where the big argument comes in. Everyone, but you're missing the point. It's about making sure God gets glory and honor as owner, as giver of all that's good. That's what it's about. Let's stand. To put it in perspective, I love the ads for wounded warriors. One of those things that... I'm sort of moved to want to give to anything on TV that's asking for money. I, I tend to want to give to that wounded warrior thing. Those cats, those dogs, they show this sad little... Uh, why? Because why? I want to honor that warrior. Not out of some kind of obligation. I want to honor him or her for what they've gone through. And by that point, they've sacrificed something. It's the same true. When there's a call to give, don't, don't look at it as a puppy up here. Maybe show them pictures of a puppy and a little cat. Oh, help us. God's worth more honor, more, or more honorable, whatever, more praise, more glory than any veteran. Because the only reason the veteran had anything to give is because God gave it to him first. Okay, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It is life and it is truth, including this. Don't let us be like those Levites, God, who didn't want to give honor to you. They wanted to pick your words as if they were theirs. Help us, God, to remember today as we go home, whether it's going out to lunch, sitting in that car with that heated seat, that that's your goodness displayed. And it is our privilege, O oh God, like worship, like your word, it is a privilege to honor you with our substance, well, your substance that we manage. Be glorified as this message goes out, I pray. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.